In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines So we sailed on to the sun Till we found the sea of green And we lived beneath the waves In our yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kujeki Studios. Ed Carney, Alex Thompson, Rob Jordan here with you for The Right Hosh, another episode, second episode of the second season, as we are two weekends into the 2023-2024 English Premier League season. And if you notice some pep in my voice, it's because Liverpool, with some highway robbery on the road, Darwin Nunez, a pair of goals, Mohamed Salah, an assist to take down Newcastle. We'll have discussion about that game. And other games that happened this weekend straight ahead, but just a the case of the Mondays for me today. Hopefully you guys didn't have a, have too much of a case of the Mondays where you had to just sit around a, a tchotchkes table eating or drinking coffee all day. I think you get your ass kicked saying something like that. All I can say is welcome to my co-host who I am also until further notice uh, referring to all of us as co-leading scorers for Everton. Yeah, better than that chicken up front. <laughs> Always love ethering the other uh, Scouser club, but Everton the least of my problems right now as well. Uh, just to recap the games that happened this weekend, of course it was Liverpool with the win over Newcastle. Th- two to one, scoring the two goals in uh, in the first, uh, in the second half. And doing it down a, a defender, your top defender, your captain, Virgil van Dyke, who earned a red card. I definitely earned a red card in the uh, in, in the first half, the 28th minute. So they played – Liverpool played about two-thirds of that game without uh, their best defender and, you know, the, the heart and soul of their team, as, as they say. But uh, going back to Friday, it was Food Lion FC taking down Luton – uh, at Stamford Bridge, three to nothing. No surprise there. Although Chelsea winning, I guess, kind of could be classified as a surprise. Tottenham takes down Bournemouth on Saturday, two to nothing. Arsenal and Fulham play to a two-two draw. Rob will have his thoughts on that. Brentford and Crystal Palace also draw one to one. Wolves takes down Everton as as mentioned, one to zero. Man United beats Nottingham Forest, three to two. West Ham beats Brighton, three to one. And to Sunday's games, Aston Villa over Burnley, three to one. Alex's citizens of Manchester City toppling Sheffield United on the road two to one, and of course the Reds. So a lot, a lot of games, a lot of games to digest. Um, I mean, Alex, I'll, I'll I'll start with you this time. Did you? Did, how did you feel about just generally that performance? I, I know you you had some thoughts on Twitter about it, but uh, get, getting the win on the road always going to be a positive for any team in this league. Yeah, I mean the. One goal we conceded was just a, you know, a, a brain fart by by Kyle Walker in the box. For some reason, back heels it back into nothingness, which sets up the 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 goal eventually from Jaden Bogle, which ties the game. Um, it's like 84th minute or something. Very annoying, uh, considering how controlling City had been for that entire match. Um, but 
to his credit, he bounced right back, put uh, an opportunity on a silver platter for Julian Alvarez, who skies it over the, the goalpost. That was one of those, you know, two out of 10 that he would have missed. Unfortunate that it happens, but um, City playing uh, it basically in the Sheffield box. Ball is destined to go out of bounds. Kyle Walker, humongous hustle play, keeps it in, shoots it into Phil Foden, who just knocks it down enough for Rodri to put it up or 90. And, you know, Kyle Walker made a mistake, but uh, I, I think the thing that, you know, just kind of erases it in my book is he, he was the guy – the most hell bent to go get it back. And he got, he got it back, uh, put it on the foot of our, you know, maybe not our most prolific scorer, but our most clutch scorer in Rodri still the best DM in the world. Uh, fight me, anybody else who wants to, to argue best DM in the world, at least right now for the last calendar year, um, really should be in the Ballon d'Or conversation, but they're not going to have someone who doesn't score as much as he does up there. Otherwise, you know, I thought it was a, you know, a pretty good result. Holland misses a penalty. Holland misses. Uh, I mean, he, he had a stinker of a day, to be honest with you, and still wound up scoring a goal. Um, the, the the takeaway from this game in the first couple is I'm really interested to see how Holland develops his game now that everybody knows what the – I mean, <laughs> go watch that second half when we needed a, a, a goal back. And, I mean – it, it, he he looked like a pop star in the middle of a bunch of teenage girls. I mean, just uh, three people hanging all over him at all times, dragging him to the ground. Nothing's ever called. He's going to have to figure out another way to contribute goals to this team if he wants to to outpace what he did last year. But otherwise, you know, still missing Silva, who will be back this weekend. Um, he, he played some, but was uh, subbed out, missing De Bruyne, missing John Stones. Um, bringing on Jeremy Doku and then in the coming days, Mateus Nunez, I think is coming as well. Um, I I'm, I'm happy with what we've seen. And of course, uh, not having Pep Guardiola, uh, on the sidelines had emergency back surgery was back in Barcelona communicating via AirPods. He will miss the next match as well, but you know, quality, quality replacement coach who's been with them for 17 years and, quality players who know what their role and responsibilities are. Uh, so it, it, it makes it so we can take those kind of blows and we, we got a, we got a pretty uh, favorable next, next month or so of matches. So I'm not worried. I, I think we're, we're going to get a lot better, find some, you know, interesting ways to get other players like Alvarez and Foden more involved and can't wait to see what this version of, of this man city team uh, rounds out to be. They're not going to take Pep's hospital bed and put it in a luxury box or the coaching booth like Hugh Freeze a few years ago. I don't know if there is a luxury box at Bramall Lane in Sheffield. Um, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, they may have. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, it, if if we can't beat Sheffield without Pep, there's bigger problems than Pep missing. So I, I'm I'm fine with it. Go go take care of yourself. Go get better so that we can make another push for defending a trouble that's just extremely hard to do yeah, man. Back, back surgery is probably something that's in my future uh down the road at some point so not 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 gonna Same. knock on not gonna ba- bag on someone too much for that <laughs> yeah man uh it's you know it's gonna gonna be a fun season uh it, it, glad that it's back we're already in what i think this is officially match week three that we are currently in so um yeah, just could, couldn't be more excited that it's back. And 
Uh, still have a couple more days of the transfer window. Um, need, <clears throat> need to get Mateus Nunez in from Wolves as soon as we can. Yeah, I'll have some thoughts on uh, on transfers a little bit later. A couple of Liverpool guys that are uh, that are being looked at uh, to take a take a trip to uh, to Saudi Arabia. We'll we'll see. Still still some time to where that has to be decided. But um, it's kind of interesting here that you and I are celebrating victories while Rob is not. It, is it? This is we. I don't know if this ever happened last year where to, to where. Both of us were were talking about wins for our teams, but but Rob just a lowly draw for the Gunners, and you know I just I just I just does this feel like a win? Does this feel like a loss? You know, what are what are your thoughts on this two to two draw that that Arsenal played to? Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I'm surprised you didn't mention it earlier to get under my skin, but uh, Liverpool are in fourth place above fifth place Arsenal on the table right now, Luke. So um, yeah, it's a, a little change of pace. Uh, from last year obviously it's still early so the um you know everyone's still the herd is uh, if you will is still kind of together and you know uh people teams are going to separate uh the further we get along in the season but uh yeah very i mean very disappointing draw um you know sure we get a point from it but um you know we essentially lost two points that we would have had and we would have been uh, right at the top of the table, um, you know, in second place, right behind Man City, uh, on just behind on goal differential. Uh, and, and the thing that was most frustrating about it is, uh, you, you know, Fulham got a red card. Um, even before that, the, the the first Fulham goal was in the first minute of the match. Uh, Ramsdale got caught out in an awkward uh, communication. Uh, between him and the defender, uh, they're playing the ball out of the back. It kind of went into no man's land, and uh, Ramsdale got caught. Which, um, you know, we, we didn't really talk about it last episode, but um, Arsenal signing David Raya from Brentford, um, that like I I understand Arteta wants competition in our squad, but. Um, I don't know that that could be doing something for Ramsdale's confidence or not. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, something certainly to monitor. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, we we bounced back. Um, you know, they were listening. Arteta was listening to the right hosh. He did start uh, Leandro Trossard at striker um, for Arsenal. Um, he ends up getting subbed off for Eddie Nketia. Uh, and Bukayo Saka gets a penalty in the 70th minute, and Eddie Nketiah gets a goal in the 72nd minute uh, soon after. So, you know, we seem to be ahead. We're in control of the match. It was 2-1. Um, you know, then they get a red card on the 83rd minute. And the, the second goal was just – it was just lax of days called defending by Arsenal. Uh, I'm extremely frustrated. Uh, I get it. The game's almost – the match is almost over, but you know, going into this, that uh, this season, you know, there's going to be a ton of extra time uh, just with the new rules. So, you know, at the 87th minute, you still realistically could be looking at another 15 minutes of play. You're up a man. They get a corner. Um, you know, it is guys were just caught ball watching. They thought they had the game won, and, um, you know, listen, if we want a challenge for the title, that's absolutely unacceptable. So, um, 
you know, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said I was all right with it. Um, we dropped an easy two points. You know, we're all human. We make mistakes. It's early on in the season. I hope Arteta uh, corrects it in on the training ground uh, with them and um, just gets these guys locked in. So um, we, we were with without Gabrielle and um, some other folks. Uh, Gabrielle Jesus, thankfully, is coming back in the lineup. But, yeah, just a disappointing draw. But uh, we're, we're going to bounce back here. And we have a tough uh, match coming up against Man U. So um, we'll see what happens. And the namesake of this studios was, of course, a big Red Devils fan. So if this if if this game doesn't go your way, Rob, you know he's going to be coming down from the clouds with the "You Got Okie Doked" uh, symbol coming going on his forehead. The 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 thumb on the forehead with the four fingers fl- fluttering in the air. That that's definitely going to be in your future if uh, if Arsenal doesn't get their shit together for this game. Yeah, we're get, we're gonna make sure that doesn't happen. I mean, let's hope that Mason Mount continues to just completely shit the bed for Man U, and we should be good. I had a friend who was uh <laughs> who was asking about Mason Mount, and he I was like, I don't really know that much about him, but I think he's just a tosser in general. <laughs> is, is that right? Because I know England, I know England national team fans were cracking on him during the World Cup, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he's a he's a cool guy. He just it's classic it's classic sports marketing where he was one of the players that England as well as Chelsea decided to really get behind in terms of promotion and make face of the franchise and it's just the classic case where someone got overly hyped and you know they, they can't they can't uh cash the checks that they're writing makes sense definitely makes sense it's like uh it's like the Dallas Cowboys every year basically. And on the topic of uh, disappointing Chelsea midfielders who have made a transfer this season, um, I hate to beat a dead horse, but Kai Havertz again. Uh, watched pretty much this entire game once again, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I feel like I feel like he's not even there. I feel like he's got Harry Potter's invisibility cloak on or something. I I don't see him. I see Declan Rice around the edge of the box. I see Odegaard. I don't. I don't see Kai Havertz unless it is some humiliating fuck up right in front of net with the ball and somehow doesn't score. Um, you know, I, I said I said it last show. Uh, you know, it's it's great to have Trossard on, and I know you said you would play him at striker, and that's where Arteta did. Um, I think that robs the squad of the the pop that Enketia brings. I would have Enketia at striker and have Trossard uh, as as the high lying uh, center attacking mid instead of Kai Havertz. I understand you have to make it try to work because you just spent all this money on Havertz, but um, you know at the end of the day these points matter, and uh, three points out of this game instead of one point would have been a lot better. Not to mention you have some weird stuff going on in the back end too with Thomas party still playing it right back. Although Zinchenko is healthy enough to sub on for 50 minutes at a time. I don't know. Uh, th- th- this feels like a continuation of the last third of the season arsenal from last year. And I, I don't get, I, I don't get the warm fuzzies when looking at this squad, it's just something, some, something's not right here. I can't put my finger on it. Some, something's not right, and it hasn't been right for six months. Well, I mean, I, I think to Arteta's credit, 
because uh, I've seen some of his press conferences over the last week or two. And, um, you know, with with these new additions we brought in, um, it has allowed us to, you know, change our formations, uh, which is something we couldn't necessarily do last year um, as much as we have a lot more freedom. So, um, you know, Arteta being Arteta, I think he is maybe tinkering a little uh, too much, but, you know, that's what the beginning of the season is for, um, is is finding, you know, all of these players. And, you know, this is straight from Arteta's mouth where, you know, we have a lot of great players on our squad and each of them bring, uh, you know, different attributes, uh, different strengths, different weaknesses. And he's just trying to find, you know, which formation, which combination of players uh, works in certain situations because, you know, each team we go up against, uh, you know, it's going to be different formations. They could be overly defensive. They could be overly aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think it's still early days, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kai Havertz, Shy Havertz, as uh, I called him when he was on Chelsea, (laughs) uh, was look, has been looking pretty shy. Um, I mean, we, we brought him in. I was looking at the stats, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that stood out was all his movement off the ball, which was the the one justification I had for us acquiring him where, you know, hey, if anything, even if he doesn't score, you know, hopefully by him constantly moving off the ball, he's going to draw defenders away from key areas that will open up, um, you know, a lane for someone else to score. But um, it hasn't quite worked out that way as much as we'd like to, but um, you know, I, I think we got to give it time. Uh, I certainly, I certainly do like what I see from Eddie Nketia. He's certainly motivated. And I mentioned last episode, you know, he, he's clearly been in the gym. He's looking bigger. He's faster. He's hungry. You know, he wants that starting role, um, as he knows it's up for grabs. And now that, uh, Gabriel Jesus is back practicing with the team, um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that roulette wheel uh, works in terms of our attack. But uh, yeah, you know, may- maybe maybe it is in Ketia at striker, and I, you know, bring on Trossard as a super sub is great. But um, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, I think the only reason Arteta is playing Havertz is is to justify that spend and. You know, it's it's only been three matches in, so I think I'd said before uh, last episode, like, there's probably a number of matches, I don't know if it's the first, like, five or first seven or first ten, where maybe he's going to write that out and give Havertz the benefit of the doubt to kind of blossom and, uh, you know, show us why he's worth that $65 million. But, I mean, if he doesn't in the next, you know, seven games... Uh, you know, I, I could certainly see Trossard starting over him in that center attacking midfield um, role and, uh, you know, re- really giving our, uh, you know, attack that that extra aggressive player um, that I certainly think we need because we, we squandered chances. Uh, we had, we should have won this game like 7-2 uh, because we, we had multiple chances in the box where guys were very close, shanked it. Um, hit the post, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, if it's not in the back of the net, it doesn't count. So um, we just have to get much, much better 
at being clinical finishers. And um, that's really, I think, the only thing that's missing for Arsenal right now. So uh, anyway, my Monday blues are over. We can move on from this 2-2 draw. I'll take the one point, and it's on to Man U on Sunday. Yeah, man, I just a uh, last word there. I, I can't say enough good about Eddie and Ketia. I, it, there's just something about him. He He's just kind of got that a little bit of an intangible. Uh, he's got a sixth sense for when to make runs and, um, you know, when to dump it off, when not to. And he, you can't keep him out of the lineup. Um, I think it's it's about time for Kai Havertz to get the Calvin Phillips treatment and just sit down till you prove that you should be in my starting uh, starting 11. Um, there's too, too many good players here on the bench that could be doing th- uh, things. Vieira uh, is one of them that I think we mentioned last episode, and uh, I, I, bl- I believe he had an assist in the game as well too in Ketia. So, um, you know, a lot, lot, of, lot of big players in this, in this squad and, you know, an embarrassment of riches in some ways, but also just kind of a lot of, you know, there, there, there's some white noise amongst the ros- a roster too. There's a lot of good names that sometimes just don't play consistently as well as they should. So uh, Arteta certainly has his work cut out for him this year um, as the, you know, but we didn't see this start from them last year. They started, uh, they started on 11 last year. It felt like there, there was no hiccup, no needing to ramp up or anything. They just started right out of the gate and, um, not happening this year. So still only week three. There's still plenty of time. Uh, if there's anything that they can take from last year, it's that the season is not over early. So, um, I think, I think Arsenal is, is still poised to make a big run, but that they're going to have to make some tough decisions that maybe, um, uh, the, the board might not like to hear that Kai Havertz is not worth the money we paid for him. But, uh, at the end of the day, the most important thing is making sure you're picking up the points where you're supposed to and staying in the race, no matter who it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we certainly made uh, some tough decisions, uh, which I will get uh, to later in our transfer talk and speculation. Um, but to your point about Nketiah, I, I think the best analogy is, you know, like last year, um, you know, he was brought up from the academy. He was very young. He hadn't had much first team time. He was that like true freshman coming in. And, you know, now he's come back for a sophomore season, right? Where, you know, he is physically looking better. He's been in the weight room. He's been running. He looks faster. He looks sharper. He looks more hungry. And, you know, he, he's still, he's literally still a kid, right? So uh, I think it's just one of those classic things where he's starting to grow into the player um, that he can become. So, uh, like you said, uh, definitely promising from Inketia, um, having him as another option behind Jesus or, you know, just keeping him up there until Jesus really is fully, fully match fit. Um, practicing with the squad, that's, that's cute and it's great for social media and PR, but until you're match fit and you can confidently know that you can get a ball in the back of the net and run, you know, box to box, you know, don't tell me that uh, Jesus is good to go until then. But uh, moving on from the disappointing 2-2 draw, I mean, Luke, you had a super thrilling match with Newcastle. I mean, that that was nuts. I mean, I was about to take a nap for the for the afternoon and like, let's see, when was our first goal? The 81st minute. Like, I was I was kind of winding down 
I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We might, might as well pack this one up boys. Um, because Newcastle statistically dominated the game, eight shots on goal to four for the Reds, 23 shot attempts to nine, uh, 60% possession to 40%. Allison Becker standing on his head a little bit, especially in that first half, seven saves on in total, but Liverpool had the edge in corners and the commentators in the second half seemed to notice that the tide was turning a little bit in favor of the Reds. And like I said earlier, they did all of this without Virgil van Dyke, who got a red card in the second or excuse me, in the 28th minute uh, in the first half. So uh, I, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say, and I, I don't praise this guy very often, but I think the person who won this match for the Reds was Jurgen Klopp. Uh, looking at the substitutions that were made, uh, Jarrell Kwanzaa came on for Joel Matip in the 78th minute. Uh, D- Darwin Nunez was, uh, was, subbed in for Alexis McAllister and ended up scoring both goals for the Reds. Uh, I thought another good substitution was Joe Gomez into the game for Luis Diaz uh, in the first half. Uh, so, uh, you know, Gakpo didn't play the whole game either. Diogo Jota came on in his stead. So lots of mixing and matching done by Klopp. Credit to him in this game. He saw something wasn't working. He probably noticed that the first couple of games, this wasn't really working either. So he just kind of threw a monkey wrench into everything switch things up a little bit. And when you're playing a man down, you, you're forced to do that. You're forced to take a different strategy than you would be when you're playing with 11. So I uh, really want to shout out Coach Klopp on this one. Uh, the, the man That was a manager's victory uh, for Liverpool. But, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the mastery of Mo Salah in the midfield. Uh, that feed to Darwin Nunez for goal number two was just a thing of beauty. And I saw it, and I was like, there's no way that's onside. And I texted my friend who was a Liverpool fan, and I was like, dude, there's no way that's onside. And he texts me back. He's like, nah, man, he's on that. What a steal. What a steal. And that's exactly what Liverpool did on Sunday morning. They went in and they stole that game from Newcastle. And these are the things that they're going to need to be doing on the road. Because I talked about this last show. Getting these points early is what needs to happen. Don't dig yourself a hole. Don't rely on other teams to do your dirty work for you. Go and get the points when they're available to you. And Newcastle just kind of took their foot off the gas and Liverpool took advantage. I'm just really proud of the team effort, really proud of the job on the sideline by Jurgen Klopp and just has me looking forward to this week's match a lot more than I would be uh, coming off a loss. Yeah, it certainly was interesting. And, uh, (laughs) I, I hope Trent said his prayers because uh, I I still don't know how he wasn't red carded about three minutes before VVD or get shown his second yellow card. Um, his second yellow card was certainly more deserving than his first um, that he got six minutes in. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm planting my flagpole here on Trent. Uh, if if Trent is still playing right back for you mid season, uh, you're not in contention for anything. Um, he's a horrific defender, but he's a masterful midfielder. It's so weird. Um, but, you know, also a good uh, first game for Endo uh, in uh, in a Liverpool kit. I believe this is his first game. Um, just got just got brought, brought over. Um, yeah, all the points you said. Th- this, this, to me, felt like, um, you know, call it manager win, but it felt like just a your your best defender, arguably best player, you know, you could argue between Saka and, and VVD. Uh, I mean, uh, Saka, Sala and VVD on who your best player is, but, um, you know, lo- lose him in the first third of the match and wind up winning it, it you know, as a, as a squad that's had 
you know, just kind of hovered above average the last 13 months. I don't know. Just felt like this is a win that maybe will just galvanize everybody. You have a brand new, I mean, none of your three midfielders were here last year, McAllister, Schaubachlai, and Endo. Um, you lose the, the guy in the back who's kind of in control of all of it uh, at VVD and still wind up beating, for my money, one of the top four teams in the Premier League. Not playing like it right now, but their, their roster and their midfield specifically. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is one of those wins that, a, as you mentioned with Klopp, uh, a, a good manager will know how to parlay this into a, a lot more success, more continuity, um, m- maybe helps him figure out some of his rotations, as you mentioned, some of the subs, which, you know, some of that is due to replacing a defender, um, you know, that they got red carded. Some of it is, Let's find my best, you know, combinations up front. Um, I, I think galvanizing and a, uh, if there was ever going to be a confidence boost for Darwin, Darwin Nunez, uh, this this maybe was that was that match. He's just been kind of treading water since he came over, and this is the first match that I can remember of his that is going to stick out in my memory. He made a humongous impact on this game and at the end of the day is the reason that they won. Um, so, now, you know, I, I'm not thrilled to say that Liverpool have had a galvanizing victory because there's enough there, there, there's enough teams at the top right now competing. But this is a squad that doesn't have to, you know, worry about shifting focus to the Champions League, not shots fired. I, I think that is a benefit this year to just be able to solely focus on what's in front of us, Premier League, you know, d- domestic trophies, whatever, but let's just focus on the one thing, figure out what we can do with that. Let these other teams in the Champions League balance that. Let's just figure out what we're going to do as we get to transfer talk. You know, y- y- you've, you've had a, you know, somewhat of a Mane, Milner, uh, Henderson move on from the squad two years ago, uh, from two years ago, and there's a there's a big shift. I think the, the lack of competitions or humongous competitions like the champions league actually benefit Liverpool this year in the long run. Um, and that there's certainly, uh, if you want to call them a sleeper, I, I would kind of call them a sleeper. Um, this is a sleeper team to watch out for winning the premier league. I think, especially after this win. And this, this month upcoming month doesn't look quite as easy as I thought it might have last show uh, co- coming home to Anfield where they'll take on Aston Villa next Sunday at nine o'clock. Uh, then you get a little bit of a break with Wolves, but that game is on the road. So there's definitely no uh, no sleeping on anybody on this road, uh, in this league on the road. But that, that there will be a two-week break between those two games uh, before Liverpool takes on West Ham at home, who is uh, a bit of, maybe a bit of a surprise at the top of the table, though it's still early. Uh, and then at Tottenham, which I think is going to be the toughest match of September for Liverpool. So uh, that's, that's a look ahead for the Reds, but I'm just... This is this is probably the most positive I've felt about this team in in quite some time co- coming into the coming into today's show because they they really they didn't just slog through that win on Sunday and autopilot and come out with a, a win that they didn't deserve you know they they went and took that on the road and that that's the mentality I need to see from these guys going forward because like like you said Alex this is this is a team that needs to focus just on on something uh on something uh singular you know you get you can't get too hung up on finishing and you know qualifying for this league and that and whatever just keep your eye on the ball and f- 
finish in, you know, like you said, at the top or in the top four, at least. And, and that's just beating a team that kind of had a spell on us. I thought last season was, was a big step toward that. I, I'm curious. I don't know if you've heard anything, Luke, but a- after VVD got sent off to me, it felt like the, uh, the collective mentality I thought would have just dropped completely. It already felt like Liverpool were a little bit um, scatterbrained in, in the opening minutes of, of that match. But after he got sent off, it seemed like there was just some sort of, I don't know, message given from somebody that just kind of recalibrated, recalculated, and put everyone going back together the same way. I don't know if you've heard of, of anything in particular, but uh, it's, it certainly seemed like there was just a huge flip after after losing VVD. Not, not that losing VVD is good, but just kind of a mentality shift after saying, okay, fuck, we got 10 guys, we got to figure this out. I think it's similar in college basketball. You see this a lot where the head coach will get a technical foul and then his team goes on a big run. I think it was kind of a, all right, you know, we just lost our captain. Like, let's rally around this guy. We're on the road. Nobody's coming through to save us. We don't have our fans. Like, we just lost Virgil for the game. Like, let's just hunker down and go balls deep. And I, I just think that's what happened. It's, it's, I'd love to just go into the minds of these guys to, to see what goes on when they're faced with challenges because that's why they're professional athletes. That's why they make it to where they make it. And being a fly on the wall at halftime, I probably would have heard a lot of, you know, English and German cuss words from, from coach Klopp. But uh, the, (laughs) the, uh, I think, I think it was a case of that. It was just like, Hey, you know, we're, we're facing adversity here as a team. You know, this is what professional athletes do. This is what teams do. They come together on the road. It it might not work every time we might be on, we might have a similar situation later in the season where we're on the road at whoever, and we get a player with a red card and this doesn't happen. But I think that's what happened here. It's just, it's just stung on the butt, stung on the butt by a bee, kind of like Ferdinand, you know, just, uh, just, just got, got the, got waved the red flag in front of the bull, that type of thing. Literally a red card, you know? Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair as well, just looking at the timing of everything, uh, VVD's red card was two minutes after Newcastle's goal. Um, so, you know, both of those things within a two to three minute span, um, you know, that, that can fire you up. And as you said, Luke, you know, that's, that's why these guys are professional, similar to, uh, in the Man City game, uh, Alex, where, you know, rightfully so Kyle Walker deserves that credit for, uh, you know, bouncing back from being accountable for his mistake, which, in this day and age, I can't say every professional athlete is like that. You'll see certain guys, they'll mess up and they'll kind of sulk, you know, to the Man City match. You know, when once Holland missed his penalty, he was kind of uh, sulking for the next, the next like two or three um, uh, possessions that Man City had. Uh, you know, he whipped it a little bit. You could tell from his body language, he was, you know, frustrated and upset. Whereas, you know, Kyle Walker, when, once he messed up, he was like, all right, I'm going to write this wrong. And every single Man City attack following uh, the goal he helped concede against Sheffield, he was there charging up the field, leading the attack, bringing the ball in the box, and ultimately helped set up that second goal and was a big part of that. So, um, yeah, it's just like a mentality shift and um, – you know, a very gritty win for Liverpool. I will say as well, obviously, you know, Darwin Nunez should get man of the match. You know, he won, he got the two goals. Uh, but, you know, I, 
uh, I got to say Allison was an absolute beast in goal. Uh, Allison and the post because Miguel Almiron for Newcastle, I mean, he was whipping in lasers where uh, he got two shots off the post, at least two whipping shots saved by Allison. Um, so, you know, Newcastle were going for the kill and they were very, very close. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Allison uh, keeping you guys in the game, then eventually Nunez got subbed on. And he was that, uh, you know, he was that gas or that fire that uh, gave you that extra oomph at the end. And you're able to gut out a gutsy win. So, um, you know, that's what it's all about. This is the big leagues. That you just echoed the the, the most impressive thing to me that I, I came away from that match with was, you know, you, you go down, <clears throat> you, you go down a man in any match. It's difficult, but it's not like they went down a man versus Brentford. They went down a, a man versus a team that's in the Champions League pots this year. Um, that, that's a extremely quality squad, and they were able to beat them without without their best defender, but just a, a man in general. Um, and that that was the most impressive thing. Just as you know, someone on the outside looking across Premier League results. Um, that, that, that to me, as I said, galvanizing is the biggest word or the best word I can use for it. It just feels like that's going to be a humongous confidence boost to everyone in Enfield. You know, when your kid just brings home just terrible drawing after terrible drawing from our class, and then they finally bring one home that looks good enough to, you can put on the fridge. This is the one we put on the fridge for, for now until, until they come back with, with another good one from, from the road. But this is this is definitely definitely one to hang the hat on if you're a you're a fan of the Reds like myself. Yeah, we'll be pointing back to this one uh, at the end of the year if Liverpool is where they want to be for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know. Speaking of other big marquee matchups, I think uh, the biggest test of the season uh, upcoming here for Arsenal uh, is our next match this Sunday um, against Man U. Uh, we are playing at the Emirates. Uh, so it is a home match. Um, you know, th- this is a must win for us. We we have to win this match um, in the preseason. Um, the only really bad showing we had was against Man United uh, in that international friendly uh, in D.C. Uh, where we lost 2-0. Um, I-, I think we match up very well against Man United. And I hope that as of, you know, this past weekend with the disappointing draw, uh, especially, you know, the match before against Crystal Palace, we had a very gutsy, gritty win. We were down a man with a red card. We gutted it out. Uh, it was real galvanizing. The players came together. And, you know, that we showed that championship mentality against a very good Crystal Palace team under Roy Hodgson. But, uh, you know, look for Arsenal to be really fired up. Uh, I hope Arteta... Um, you know, is fired up as well. And um, not only does he make the right selections, but, um, you know, I, I hope our guys get up to play. And this is a home match. We've got to win this. And, um, you know, I, I think this is where, you know, Liverpool passed their first test right against Newcastle um, in extravagant fashion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the Gunners to to blast off here against Man United and, uh, get back to that form that we saw last year at the beginning of the season. Well, there 
they're right for the picking right now. They have had a less than stellar uh, start to their season. Um, the the other team in Manchester. So uh, I know I'm pulling for you uh, for sure. Um, the, uh, if you can make it through the bevy of all five of their midfielders that they claim out there, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think the key is to jump on them fast. They 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 gave up two goals to Nottingham Forest in the first four minutes. Um, they have been atrocious out of the gates in pretty much all three of their matches. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not a team can make them pay for it. Uh, this is it's a good team on paper. It is just. I don't know. There's something. There's something wrong with Manchester United uh, to have all this talent and just kind of be. I don't know. I, they they don't feel like a top four team right now. That's for sure. I'm sure they'll get there. That they've they've got too many good players. But uh, and, and I rate Ten Hag as a manager. I think. Um, but you know, they, this this is the time to get them. Uh, their 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 midfield is weird, man. Just really weird. And I, I, everything they're doing is really weird. Um, which I'm a, I'm a fan of personally. Keep keep being weird, man. Menu keep being weird. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean to to be to be fair, uh, the only loss they have on the no, season don't be is, fair. <laughs> yeah, true, of course. But the only loss they have on the season is to uh, that resurgent Tottenham squad. Uh, that two 0 loss there. Um, you know, I I hope that you know their troubles in the midfield where there's disconnect continues. Um, because arguably, you know, Arsenal, our strongest, uh, our strongest area is our midfield and, you know, I hope we get it right. And, you know, you, you harped on this last episode as well as, uh, this episode here. I fucking hate the fact that Arteta is putting Partey back at right back. Like, why are, why are we doing this? He's a great midfielder. He's a terrible right back. Uh, you know, we, we have. We have Ben White back. Uh, Tommy also should be back from his uh, right card ban. Um, so he'll be back. Um, he could play left uh, left back there. Um, please put Thomas Partey in midfield next uh, with Declan Rice and Martin Odegaard. Sure, it'll be a little more holding uh, play, less attacking. Uh, you know, I'd much rather have Partey in the midfield than Havertz, and, and that's saying a lot. So, um, you're correct though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, uh, I, I know we had to do what we had to do between injuries and, you know, red card suspensions, you know, stuff like that, or I get it, but you know, th- this over tinkering of let's make Thomas Partey into right back, like, please, God, no, stop this experiment. You know, Zinchenko is coming back in the fold. Um, I know we'll get into it more. Uh, when we talk about speculation and like transfer talk, but uh, I'm not very happy with us loaning out uh, Kieran Tierney, especially when you know our defensive depth uh, because of losing Jurian Timber, who is a true left back, we go and loan out our other true left back, uh, which again, silliness, not sure why, but uh, yeah, we uh, I think. If we win this midfield battle, which I do think we stack up better, um, you know, Casemiro will be a challenge. He is a beast, but, you know, he's an older Casemiro. Um, but, you know, I think we'll get the better of uh, Ericsson uh, in the midfield if he does even play, um, as well as Mount if he plays too. So um, look for resurgent gunners, but we got to put it together.
what what do you think about the idea of just flipping uh rice and party if if you're hell bent on playing party i mean ne- not to say anything negative about rice but i know he can play that right back position he he he's did it plenty for west ham um and he's a much better box to box midfield type player than party is party needs to be in the midfield if he's going to be anywhere um what 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 are your thoughts on maybe flipping those guys if you're if you just have to play both of them it seems like it would that would be the the better combined um outcome the it, you're getting as much as you can out of party doing that whereas right now he, he's just a, he's just a fucking warm body back there he's not doing anything you're uh you're asking that's assuming we keep we keep Havertz in the midfield where you just like flip uh rice from central midfield to right back with Thomas Partey yeah, like every everything as it is now, except for mm. you just flip flip Rice and Partey because R- Rice can do the defending. Party can't. He he doesn't have the he doesn't have the agility anymore. He he's a little bit older and just is not as spry versus the the modern prem wingers. Yeah, uh, I mean, I personally wouldn't like. I do agree that it would technically be better, but uh, Rice needs to be in the midfield. We brought him in to be that. Uh, you know, field general alongside our captain Martin Odegaard in midfield. I think, I think we need to have Odegaard and Rice together in midfield, no matter what, because that, you know, everything pivots off of that. You know, if that midfield trio is strong, um, you know, that's going to help us in defense as well as help us in attack too. So, um, you know, I I personally I would much rather instead of just switching them, I would rather just put Partey where Kai Havertz is, where it be an Odegaard, Rice, Partey midfield trio. That's a pretty formidable uh, midfield there. Um, and you know, take Havertz off and you know bring in Tom, put Ben White at right back, uh, bring in Gabrielle back into the center backs. Uh, speaking of which. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about in the uh, uh, like transfer talk stuff, but um, the fact that Gabrielle is not playing is quite frustrating. Um, we, we'll get more into that, but um, uh, I think either just taking Havertz completely out, uh, or you know, I guess putting Havertz up at striker. But I like Nketiah at this point more, so I'd rather just take Havertz out, have Partey, Rice, Odegaard in midfield, and um, you know, fill in our defenders uh, with Tommy Asu and fill that back line out. That's just me personally, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even put Zinchenko on the right before I'd play party there. Um, it just... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'd play Trent at right back before I played party there. We know my... Uh, I wouldn't go that... Hey, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, party didn't oh. give up a fucking goal like as bad. Dude, the Trent Alexander goal he gave up with Newcastle, yes. that was... That was Awful. Bad. It was awful. Bad. Awful. So, but it, at least he's fast enough to stay in the way of some of these players. P- parties just getting. <laughs> I mean, he might as well have me at right back, Rob. <laughs> like it's not. It's it's not good. Um. But yeah, I, I think I think everything we're talking about is uh kind of contingent on there finally being the light bulb moment of all right. Um. We 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 let Havertz have a shot with the first team, and it's not going to be his last shot, but. Uh, we need to start rotating and find something else that works there, find our best configuration, so to speak, uh, which is going to happen when you have two new midfielders. Um, but, you know, for what it's worth, 
Zinchenko came over with the intention of playing midfield as well. That's why he left City, because he wasn't getting midfield play. And that's essentially what Arsenal and Arteta told him he'd be getting. So um, I, I think he's got to play. He's subbed in the last two matches, and he's creative and a, a pretty good defender. So an embarrassment of riches that is being absolutely ruined by two very bizarre roster situations right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, should we uh, move on to transfer talk? I was going to say. I was going to say. Speaking of roster situations, <laughs> Liverpool's could look a little bit different in in the coming days. A uh, couple of names that I, of course, have been keeping an eye on: Mo Salah, who is uh, just just being they, they're dangling the carrot out there for uh, are the Saudis for uh, for Salah. He's thirty one years old. Uh, they're they're trying to get him to come come over there. Allison Becker is also a guy that's been linked to the Saudis, kind of more so than the the typical um, you know speculation for pretty much any time a player gets good over in the EPL. They uh, <laughs> the Saudis are now coming calling. But um, yeah, man, I actually I texted another friend of mine who a friend of mine from high school who's been into been into soccer for a while and during the game on Sunday. And he, I, I said something about Salah and he's like, yeah, possibly his last game. And I was like, man, like I haven't talked to this guy about soccer in a few years. And he, the first thing he says to me is that Salah could, could be going to the Saudis. So that, that gave me a little bit of pause. It made me think that, Oh, there, there could be some wheels in motion here. I think if I'm, if, if, if only one of them is going to go, it, I think it's going to be Salah. It's, it's, it's hard to see, you know, it's hard to see that that double whammy coming, I guess, but it could happen. You know, Al, it was funny reading Twitter on Sunday during the game because in the first half, everyone was like, you know, Allison playing like his head's already in Saudi Arabia. And then in the second half, it was all, you know, praising him and, you know, saying, ta- talking about how important he was to the victory. So it, it's kind of twofold. I've got to worry about whether it happens. And then I've got to worry about if it does happen. How does Liverpool kind of compensate for it? Who do they who do they move into that Mo Salah spot uh, to uh, to possibly fill that role? And there, there's really nobody who can actually fill that role, in my opinion, because he's one of the best midfielders I've ever played seen play club soccer. But you know, you you look at guys like you know somebody like a Cody Gakpo or who they acquired last year, um, somebody like that to step up um in in uh in 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 the absence of of Mo Salah and may, maybe you change your tactics maybe you change your strategy because you lose your best midfielder so that that that's the main thing hanging over my head right now I'm I'm kind of worried about how is my best outfield player how long is my best outfield player going to still be with my team and how long is my goalkeeper going to still be with my team because those those rumors are swirling like like uh like the wind in Arthur Ashe Stadium so I'm uh I'm I'm a little bit preoccupied yeah. Yeah. There, sorry. Yeah, no. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, only thing I'll say really about that is, you know, it, at, at least Sala is going for more than money, um, which to, to, to me eases the. For, for, I'm not going to tell a Liverpool fan how to feel, but for, for me as a bystander watching what's happening to the sport going to the Saudi League, at, at least I know that his isn't primarily money based. It's way more personal I, I know he said that he wants to play in that region of the world and now there there there's a, a real uh you know way to do that now and and play competition real competition um so uh a i'd be happy as hell to get him out of the premier league but b you know it, it would it would be cool to see a player play over there 
uh, for their ties to the region, not just their ties to the almighty euro pound dollar whatever they're getting paid in over there real (laughs) (laughs) the the, the almighty currency um you know it'd be cool it of course there is no mosala replacement but um you know you you have nunez and jolta kind of off the bench in this game you have diaz gakpo uh and then you have kind of a wild card is he a midfielder is he uh, a forward in harvey elliott who i'm a big fan of um so I, you know, I, I think there will be the answer there and kind of as the team had to figure out how to make do without Virgil, it, well, one of those, one of those things were maybe just, uh, you know, pe- peeling off another layer of old paint, making room for, for, for a new masterpiece, uh, new tactics. And, um, you know, let, let, let's see if Jurgen Klopp has an idea of what to do now lo- losing Alisson. I, I don't really know what to say there. He's, been considered one of the top two or three keepers in the premier league since he's been here um so i i don't i don't exactly know what you do there i <laughs> you could fund him and go get david de Gea, um since he, i believe he's still available but um yeah it's it's just weird that this is kind of happening now rather than four weeks ago when it would have been a lot better and you would have had more time to sign replacements still no mention of the almighty rupee i notice <laughs> I'll, I'll RuPaul what <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be honest I I think this is all blowing smoke um I mean you know the the claims of Salah going to the Saudi League you know were released by a Saudi owned media outlet where uh, I think they're just trying to drum up uh obviously you know there's a lot of you know interest in it um you know, obviously, you know, uh, Mohamed Salah has voiced that, you know, at some point he wants to play in that part of the world. There's a lot of stars there. But, you know, again, I'm just a guy sitting on the couch. I'm I'm not the guy in the boots on the field, on the pitch. And, you know, ultimately, it's what he wants to do for him and his family. And, you know, if this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing for him, I'm, I wouldn't hold it against him, you know. Go get your money. I'm never going to hate on another man doing that. But, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, because especially after this match you had with Newcastle. Um, I mean, Salah, like, he he hooked up Darwin Nunez with a beautiful assist, and he's been doing that over the last, uh, uh, you know, last season, evolving to this season, where he's, you know, transitioned from that, traditional striker role um to that you know uh you know midfield assisting he still uses that precision and pace uh, that he had at striker um to assist uh his other teammates uh and you know putting a ball on a dime for them and i mean quite honestly too it just doesn't make sense that Salah would go there um because in my opinion if liverpool isn't in Champions League play this year, I feel like for him, he'd want to play to get them back into Champions League play. And if they do get Champions League play again, you know, maybe he stays at Liverpool longer. But if Liverpool, for whatever reason, doesn't finish top four, um, you know, maybe that's at the end of the season, that's when he he makes that move. Um, Because, I mean, Liverpool are on their way to get back into Champions League if they continue the form and put things together 
And uh, I didn't know about the Allison rumors either. But again, after the last match, Allison literally kept you in the game long enough for Darwin Nunez to come on and score. Um, I mean, I I don't really know a better goalkeeper than him that's available on the market, just given how, you know, with uh, Courtois going down for Real Madrid, there was uh, quite a bit of a flurry of activity in the goalkeeping market um, this offseason. So, I mean, th- there's obviously keepers at other clubs that are, um, you know, hey, if you if you go talk to them, there are guys from smaller clubs that, would be interested, but I mean, uh, it, it wouldn't make sense for Salah and Allison to leave the season. That's just me. But again, I'm a guy in the USA sitting on my kitchen table. What do I know? I think that's kind of the point we're all at, you know, this, I, I it's not like the NFL or college football in here where, where we might have like inside information. Uh, you don't really get a lot of that in the, in the American media with, with the premier league. And I, I don't know how much of that there is in the, in, in England. So is there, do they have like an Adam Schefter type person for like, who's just kind of covering this shit constantly? Dude. And Luke, where have you been all fucking summer, bro? They were like, Yes, we have multiple people, you know, there's there's actual, you know, sanctioned people from the news where they're insiders, but then there's, you know, people on Twitter that are just like Twitter accounts that are known for releasing, um, you know, information. So, I mean, you know, it's just like any sport, you know, the more you talk about things, put it in the headlines, more interest it drums up, the more money it makes, right? So, um you know, I, I don't think that's any different than uh, American sports. You know, they they always want to stir the pot, right? They want to keep things interesting, keep people on their toes. And, you know, a lot of times there'll be other clubs that will, you know, you know, air quotes, leak information on this player. Interesting where it can be completely false, but it's that club trying to force some other club's hand. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me at all, but, um, you know, I hope for your sake, uh, but also just for, I mean, just from a managerial standpoint and trying to get back in Champions League, like, uh, I think this whole Salah thing is complete BS. Uh, I don't think he's going to the league, at least this year, maybe two or three years from now, but um, I think he really wants to get back, at least have a fighting chance to get back in Champions League play again. Because Lord knows he's not going to get in Champions League uh, in the Saudi League. Well, if if you boot up our next episode, not this episode, but if you boot up our next episode and find that we're down to just two hosts, that's because I kicked Rob off the show for uh, lulling me into a false sense of security. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there you see the dichotomy between... Uh, the fan of Liverpool and then just the just the, the the person who's who's more informed and has this kind of woven into their fabric. So it does make me feel a little bit better. But we we still have, what, like three days before we're out of the woods. Fabrizio Romano, <laughs> if you're looking for the Schefter, Ian Rappaport of uh, soccer. Yes. Fa- fab. They're called fab bombs. They, fab. Yeah. fab. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. At Fabrizio he has a much Romano cooler name. He has a much cooler name than his American counterparts. I'll I'll give him that. I still had to look up how to spell Schefter and Fabrizio Romano, so you know, point points points away from Gryffindor for both. 
<laughs> just spelled never never mind i was gonna make a joke about what what the religion adam schefter follows but i'll just i'll, I'll just move on <laughs> um <laughs> anyway that's 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 kind of where i'm at with liverpool liverpool roster has anything happened with either of y'all's teams or kind of the league at large that we need to hit here we had yep. uh at city uh Daku came in was available sunday did not play uh, that's the Belgian international young gun, uh, right winger, the the replacement for Mares, and we're we're pretty much on the heels of of signing Mateus Nunes from uh, uh, Wolves, their midfielder, Portuguese international, should fit nice next to Silva, um, you know, uh, another the, mainly because of the extended absence of De Bruyne is why we would be bringing him in, but uh, I think the plan all along was to bring in two midfielders. Um, and I believe today or yesterday, officially, the loan deal with Barcelona uh, to send Joao Cancelo um, to Barca has been uh, completed. Um, it's the pinned comment by Fabrizio Romano, so it's it's getting done, but it's done. Uh, they'll owe us $25 million next year uh, after the, the option, which is not an option. It's one of those options with, like, the gun-to-your-head type of thing, so... Uh, that they, they had to buy him for 25 million next year. Steel, if they ever actually pay us, they haven't paid us for Perrin Torres yet, and he's been there for two years. So, um, you know, <laughs> make deals with Barcelona at your own risk. Thank God Pep is friends with them. Otherwise, I don't know what we'd be doing. Uh, but that that's I think that's pretty much going to close our transfer window window outside of you know uh, uh, an academy player here or there, maybe sending Calvin Phillips on loan somewhere. Other than that, we're pretty much done. On the uh, on the Arsenal front, um, not too much movement, but uh, you know the the biggest thing here, the headline being, uh, we have uh, we're finalizing agreement with AC Monaco in League One um, to sell Fuller and Balogun. Um, you know, I, I think that's a great move for us. That's going to be for thirty eight point six million pounds. Um, so you know, at least forty five to fifty million dollars there. Um, I think that's a great move for Arsenal as well as Balogun. Um, you know, it, it was a you know tragedy of the riches there, where you know we had a lot of good young attacking players, and you know I, I do think Inketia just had a little more chemistry um, uh, with the squad and got the the nod from the boss man, the gaffer Arteta himself. Uh, but you know, uh, best of luck to Balogun. I know he's a great player. Um, you know, obviously he's playing for the U.S. now, uh, which is hilarious to see him in post-match interviews uh, with a clearly English accent, which is hilarious. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a great move for him. He gets paid. We get paid. Um, he gets more of that playing time. And, you know, he took League One by storm last year. Um, so I, I think he's going to do uh, very well there. So best of luck to him. And uh, I hope to see him evolve more as a player. Um, uh, the only other thing I had alluded to this earlier, um, so we have confirmed that, uh, Kieran Tierney, uh, we have loaned out to, uh, La Liga team Real Sociedad. Um, Kieran Tierney is one of our only true left backs. I'm quite frustrated by this move, seeing that we literally lost Yuri Timber, who was a through and through left back that could move, um, 
into that inverted role in the midfield at will to balance out Sinchenko. Um, you know, I, I get it. I guess it's better that we're loaning him. So, you know, we, we can bring him back um, as needed, uh, which is great. But, uh, you know, get Kieran some more playing time earlier in the season. I understand maybe we call back that loan um, as things start to heat up. Maybe injuries happen, but uh, the deeper we go into Champions League as well as the Prem season. Um, so that that's something to follow along there. Uh, but uh, one one transfer uh, thing that, well, I didn't really get to talk to last episode because we talked about so many things. Uh, we did bring in David Raya from Brentford as a goalkeeper, which uh, objectively speaking, um, I do think he is a better goalkeeper on paper than Ramsdale is. Um, and what's interesting is that the Arsenal goalkeeping coach was actually David Raya's former goalkeeping coach for a long time. So they already have that uh, chemistry built up there. Um, so, you know, I, I know Arteta early in the season was talking about creating competition. You know, no one's spot is safe, which like, I get it, and I, I like that. But um, you know, we we also like just fucking signed Ramsdale to a new deal through twenty twenty six. So um, you know, maybe we're trying to use one for more EPL play versus the other one will move uh, into Champions League play. Um, but you know, I just hope it doesn't cause a rift and cause more off field drama than there needs to be. Um, cause you know, everyone on the squad needs to be locked in, um, and just, you know, we, we know what our goals are this year. So, um, you know, just something to monitor as the season moves along. Uh, but those are the biggest transfer things, um, for Arsenal right now. Um, you know, uh, apparently there were rumors that Gabrielle was going to be sold, which, uh, t- that's. Again, I think BS, and I don't know why we want to do that because, you know, we need Gabriel for that defensive depth. So um, that's the that's the uh, biggest transfer news uh, coming from the Gunners. So um, I think at this point, you know, we own most of our players. Um, you know, we're, we're, we don't have a lot of players on loan um, that are loaned to us. So, you know, really we're in the driver's seat for our season. So... I just personally don't want Arteta to overthink stuff over Tinker. Um, you know, I think we've got more than one guy in each position at this point. We've got that depth we need in the squad. I, I don't think there's any need to reinvent the wheel and get cute with it. Agreed. Uh, before we hop off, can you tell me anything about the guy who actually played left back for you, Jakub? Kivior, whatever his name. I never heard of him until last match. Yeah, Jacob Kivior. Um, yeah. yeah, so he, uh, he's, he's a young prospect. I'll be honest, like, I don't know too much about him, if he was an academy player or not. But, um, you know, he was on our squad last year as well. Um, he was there for defensive depth. But, I mean, the, you know, the, the there's a steep a fall off on the cliff in terms of playing potential. Again, he's young, could have been just deer in the headlights. Um, He's certainly a talented youngster for sure, but, um, you know, there's a big drop off when you're next to Saliba and Ben White uh, in that back line. Um, Certainly better than Thomas Partey. Um, I'll give him that, but 
Um, yeah, QB is a good, um, you know, he, he'd fill in certain games last year as well. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think he's a great squad player for us. I, I wouldn't say he's anywhere close to starting 11, but um, he's certainly a good person to have uh, in depth for, you know, the, the further we go in the season where there's those games we need to win, but, you know, we need to rest our, um, you know, first team players. Um, he's a great fill in there, but, uh, you know, at least put him next to someone that, you know, is experienced like Saliba um, so that he's not there with like our whole second defensive line. Sure. Cool. Yeah. I, I just never heard of him. Uh, like you said, I did, I'd never heard of him through like the Academy or anything. So I didn't know if this was just like uh, Arteta submitted the wrong sheet or if this guy was actually like <laughs> a mainstay on the team, but uh you know, cool. He, he's he's a young buck, so you know, nowhere to go but up. Good time to get him playing time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, I would have much rather had um, Kieran Tierney play at left back, and but I guess again, you know, a lot of these conversations go on behind closed doors, um, and they know way before you know the general public like us do. Um, so that's probably the only reason Kieran Tierney wasn't playing that left back role, and it was uh, Jacob Kiwior. All of this, and we're only in match week three. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. It's awesome, dude. It's it's like it, and I, I before we uh, before we we do end the show here. I will. Uh, I'll just go through the games we've got coming up this weekend. Luton hosts the standalone game on Friday. They've got West Ham coming to town, and uh, they'll continue their uh, their their welcome to the uh, to the uh, the Premier League here early on. And then Saturday is when a lot of the games start. Uh, all of them are in the morning here in the U.S. except for one. But uh, college game day will be going on. Uh, Everton at Sheffield United at 7.30. Then you've got four games at 10 o'clock Eastern. Brentford, Burnmouth, Burnley, Tottenham, Chelsea, Nottingham Forest, and Alex's Man City Citizens hosting Fulham before the 12.30 Eastern time game is Brighton against Newcastle. Um, and then on Sunday, Rob and I will take center stage. But first, Crystal Palace takes on the Wolves. In Croydon, that game will be at 9 a.m. Eastern. Also at 9 a.m. Eastern is the Reds hosting Aston Villa. And then the we'll call it a right hosh clash for the namesake of the studios, Nasser Alexander Kuczeki taking on Rob Jordan's Arsenal Gunners. So this this is going to be a great weekend of football and also a great weekend of football. A right hosh clash with plenty of ganache. <laughs> I'm dying, man. And with that, we say farewell for this second episode of the second season of Drink The Right Hosh. Enjoy the football this weekend, and of course, Jimmy enjoy got the football. Paid. I ain't we'll even got the rap now. Life is made, said I ain't even got the rap. I'm still the main. Straight to the main with this. I'm laughing straight to the main with this.